0: Hey, Andy Phillips here. And I'm Tom Hackett. You may remember us from that time when we used to try really hard to make plays on fourth down. But we're back at it with a brand new show called Special
1: Forces Gang, where we give you new perspective on what it takes to be a football player. We talk all things Utah football, sports, and life. Don't miss Special Forces Gang.
0: Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts,
1: Google Play, or on kslsports.com. Go Go Utes. Utes! What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Alex Gorchev.
0: Well, you know, honestly, I think every single project that um, – um that we do at the innovation center, it certainly it hits a bump on the road, right it, uh, I think it's certainly of listeners to uh, of interest to the listeners that we probably we divest from probably fifty fifty percent of the projects that we start, right.
1: Alex, did I pronounce your last name correct? You did. So uh, tell people about what you do at Cisco
0: so I run the Cisco's innovation centers which are hubs of working with the ecosystems around the world and then I look after a lot of our employee ideation programs how do we get employees involved in uh, in innovation broadly
1: yeah um, and so you know Cisco's obviously a, a hugely well-known name in the, in the in the uh, communication space and technology space um, but uh, when it comes to the actual innovation projects and the the different things you're doing for people who who maybe don't have as much visibility on some of that stuff, can you talk about some of the big wins or, or some of the more notable things?
0: Well, I think if you look at the um, I think, you know, innovation is the ability for the company to constantly reinvent itself and uh, meet customer challenges. Um, if you look at Cisco, we've been in the business for over 30 years, uh, pretty much starting um, a networking industry around the world. And uh, today, if you look around the globe, more than 50% of the Internet's traffic, it's going for Cisco's equipment. So um, obviously, every day we need to innovate to meet new challenges, right? Whenever that's uh, um, customer demands uh, for privacy or security or for basic connectivity, um, so obviously, being in such fast-growing um, industry and leading it requires uh, um, requires a lot of innovation.
1: Sure. So there's so many folks that think innovation is uh, you know a lot more likely with two guys in a garage. Can you talk about um, things like overcoming bureaucracy? You know, I what do you guys have like a 200 billion dollar market cap or something, right? Like you're a significant organization. Can you talk about ideas and structures and And how you can not get bogged down by size?
0: Um, Sure. You know, Cisco is over 70,000 people. Um, and if you think about if you think about implementing the ideas right um, um, first of all we want to distinguish between an inventor and, uh, and an innovator right A couple of, couple of people can definitely invent something. you know a lonely innovator can invent something in a garage. Um, the issue is about scaling, right And the issue is actually about building a, building a quality product and that's where I think large corporations they can actually play a significant role. Um, two reasons, right? The first one is inclusion and diversity, right? I I know there's a lot of talk about inclusion and diversity. Um, Rarely people connected with innovation, but at the end of the day, if you look at that, driver for new things it's inclusion and diversity because people that come from different backgrounds and uh, um, with different experiences different problems uh, different opinions they are able to come up with new challenges and solve them very differently so the one thing that a large company allows you to do is tap into the employee base that's all over the world right and tap into the ecosystem players that's all over the world so that's kind of the first thing right and the second one is about scale right so the when you look at the large companies what they really know how to do well is scale right is is take some take an idea productize it and push it to market globally So, which obviously, um, when you think about the two things that I just talked about, inclusion and diversity and ability to scale, um, that's certainly why a lot of startups want to work with Cisco. And at the same time, why a lot of employees want to work there. And because the the company is that platform that allows them to bring their ideas to life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So... When you think about folks who want to become more innovative in in a larger organization, maybe they're a leader and they they want to become more innovative, but um, maybe their old habits at the organization aren't necessarily set up to promote that. What kind of advice do you have for a leader like that
0: well, a couple of a couple of things uh, you know the one thing I would uh, definitely advise them to do is to think what the innovation is about, right. Uh, because a lot of somehow there is this belief system that innovation is actually reserved for a select few, right? And many companies that I talk to, um, they believe that innovators are, I don't know, product teams, right? Um, there's often a confusion between innovation and invention. So the first step is redefining innovation. What's innovation, right? Innovation, it could be a new product. It could be a new process. It could be a top-line growth. It could be a bottom-line growth, right? It could be business improvement it could be not doing a stupid thing, right? And when you think about, as you define innovation that way, you start to be able to include your entire workforce in that innovation, right? And, and that leads to inclusion and diversity. Um, the second thing, it actually allows you to go and, and tackle many problems um, of the enterprise by not necessarily building a new product, but by just you know not doing a stupid thing or sunsetting a product or a process. Um, I think that second step um, is essential as well, right? Um, and then I uh, and then I truly think it's about ensuring that you know innovation is not perceived as a project, right? I think innovation is a mindset. It's much like happiness. It's it's just an attribute of our natural well-being, right? I think people are innovative by um, you know since their early childhood. I mean, I look at I look at my four-year-old son Matthew. If he can't solve a problem. He tries to solve it in many different ways. I think in, the, in the large companies, we either tend to do it alone or we are just accepting reality and not challenging it by coming, coming with new ways to, um, to do things. So bottom line, it's not, about, it's, not about, it's not about innovation. It's about creating a culture of innovators and getting everyone across the company involved with that new definition of innovation.
1: Well, and can you talk about what this looks like at Cisco, the, the innovation centers?
0: Right. So if you think about the innovation centers, that's where we primarily work with, um, with startups and academia around the world. Um, if you think about Cisco, we've got presence in over 100 countries. And um, in 12 countries, we've set up innovation centers. Innovation centers allow us to partner with uh, with others, right, um, Um, customers, partners, um, resellers, startups, and um, and academia. Um, What this really allows us to do is, let's say, bring a customer or have a customer problem and then um, plug in a local startup, uh, perhaps some university students, and then create a local solution that can be then sold in the country. So if I think about the kind of win-win for everyone involved is, A, it's a win for Cisco because there's a new market. It's a win for the um, country, because there's a GDP creation and a job growth, it's certainly a win for a startup. If you think about it, they can get on, um, on a price list of Cisco with their solution and scale globally. And then it's obviously valuable experience for university students and, and the customer gets a product. So at the end of the day, we've set up the innovation centers in a way that A, it's about the ecosystem. B, it's about ensuring that we, we all can make money and create new opportunities. And and I think that goes back to the courses of philosophy that no single company can do this alone, right? It actually, it truly, especially in, a, in in the world that we live in, it takes a village. Nobody can typically own things end to end and tapping into the work of others and co-innovating with others leads to phenomenal results.
1: Yeah. Well, and these these seem like pretty fun cities to visit if you're the managing director and you get to go around to Barcelona and Paris and Rio and Tokyo um, any stories that come to mind as, uh, that you felt really proud of or that you felt like were a real success?
0: You know, speaking about the travel, right. I, I honestly, again, I mentioned the four year old, right. I I wish I could travel a bit less, but you're absolutely right. Last week, I was in, in Paris and London. Um, actually two weeks ago, last week I was in, in Tokyo um, I think you know the the first thing I I truly enjoy my job because at the end of the day it's helping startups and passionate people with ideas and um and second and second thing is solving customer challenges the one thing that i um that i'm really proud of is just somehow we keep connecting the innovation centers uh to olympics i actually just came from tokyo where i was talking about how we can help japan's entrepreneurship what are the programs that we can run in the country ahead of olympics uh tokyo 2020 we've we've done the same thing in um in rio de janeiro we've got the same thing in 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 london um, and we're going to do the same thing in, in France. Um, so the bottom line, it's, um, when you think about the innovation centers, it's in a, in a grand scheme of a 70,000 people company, it's a very small effort. Uh, but, but the amount of impact that it has on the local country and the society and an ability of local companies to go and scale globally, it's truly phenomenal. And that's where I get a lot of satisfaction from my work.
1: Yeah. You know, um, Looking on the website and seeing these interesting things, like it looks like you've got a a small microchip attached to a bee for like a radio telescopes or something.
0: Yeah, we want to save the bees, right? So actually, in Australia, um, we work with a variety of uh, of partners, um, and and the one on the bee project is with the company called, or actually. A nonprofit in Australia called CSIRO, um, where wh- what they really want to do is understand the migration, the patterns of bees, and uh, obviously that leads uh, very tightly into agriculture. And if you think if you think about Australia, if you look at the country, you know that obviously pops in your head that just about how much agriculture they do. So. So in Australia, we partnered with Federation of Farmers, CSIRO, and a, and a number of uh, other nonprofits and companies to go and create solutions for that industry, uh, which which kind of highlights the, the two other points that I want to make for the innovation centers. Um, it is typically a multi-party environment, right? I talked to you about the inclusion and, um, and diversity as a, as a driver for innovation, and we practice what we preach. So it's typically a consortium of multiple um, multiple companies, and at the end of the day, what we'd like to do is focus on the problems that we see in the country, right? So if you think about or opportunities, right? If you think about um, Australia and agriculture, it's a vast amount of land and it's not connected, right? And and certainly being connected uh, with the Internet of Things, being enabled by a network that allows you to do. All sorts of things, from crop management to, you know, to livestock management. And I think the, again, what's fascinating is is finding all those new use cases for technology.
1: Yeah. Do you remember um, Do you remember any specifics about that project, or or is there a project that was extra interesting for you to follow as they, you know, they hit the bumps on the road and then ultimately succeeded?
0: Well, you know, honestly, I think every single project that. Um, um that we do at the innovation center it certainly it hits a bump on the road right it, uh, i think it's certainly of listeners to uh, of interest to the listeners that we probably we divest from probably 50 50 of the projects that we start right um sitting in between of the ecosystem and the large company uh you want to make sure that you you have the right ecosystem uh, partners and then the business opportunity is sizable enough for a multi-billion uh, product company to go and uh, and listen to you, but there are a couple of examples that that come to mind that are that are truly fascinating. Um, we used to run an a competition for startups every year, and I remember about three years ago in Dubai we ran an IOT innovation challenge and we were looking for a company um, that has a smart building management platform. And there was a little team from Germany, two people. um, That's how many people they had working with uh, their idea of just, it's a sensor based idea on listening to, um, you know, different temperature status of the building. It's, it's basically, it's about a building control. And uh, we were just so fascinated with their commitment and drive and, um, and everything they won. Honestly, I don't believe if they won a first or second prize. But you know, the minute they won the prize, we're like, let's go do something together. What we did is um, we looked in Germany and we've we've paired them with uh, an employee in Germany named Mitko and said, Mitko, can you help mentor that company? And and Mitko knew something about IoT. Um, and just as a side comment, we, we do a lot of that. Our employees are passionate about getting involved with the community. So we ask a lot of our employees to uh, to mentor startups. So Mitka worked with um, uh, with that team for a while. Cisco liked their product. We actually implemented it in our innovation center in Berlin as a building management software. Um, fast forward, Cisco invested in the company. The uh, company grew, grew big. And I think it literally three weeks ago or maybe a month ago, it was acquired by another company. So, again, that's, an op- that's when you see somebody with an idea and with a right set of resources um, and commitment to go just in the two years to go from, hey, I have a friend and we have an idea to we're actually a company with a significant market cap that's being acquired. Right. Um, so I think that's that's the that's the fun story because it really allowed us to go and touch every single aspect of our business and help them be successful. And along that, uh, you know, along, uh, along the way we've managed to sell a lot of Cisco product because they built something on top of Cisco. So again, win, win for everybody.
1: So in your mind, when you think about this, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a venture capital ask, you know, related things in certain ways, but, but different in other ways. What kind of guidance do you have for, large organizations that want to learn from your success of, you know, make sure to avoid this or, or make sure to do that.
0: I think it's being very focused. I think it's about accepting the reality of their company and, uh, and being laser focused about what they want to do. Right. Um, I go to a lot of innovation conferences and then it's a lot of fun because it's like group therapy. Right. Um, And there are a lot of people that are saying, Hey, I want to change my 70,000 people company um i want to disrupt it i'm not saying that's always possible i think understanding your environment is is the number one my number one advice um my second advice is is by enabling innovators in the company and innovators in the team i often see a lot of companies that create a special innovation teams and obviously i mean personally i don't think that's that's always a good idea right because you create two classes of employees innovators people with budget that are working on the future and people that are just working on common stuff right that are not innovators so i think many companies are better off by by certainly by establishing more of a facilitation team because if they look around there are plenty of innovators in their company and plenty of people that actually have great, great products, and um, and they just need some help and facilitations and operation help and handholding to to get it off the ground. Um, and maybe you know last I mean, there could be a lot of advice depending on what we talk about. But what I'm seeing is typically a lot of technology innovation, right? We have people that are engineering products. As you know, when you work with engineers, one of the primary questions is not "Can it be built?" but "Should it be built?" So I think getting more people from like business development and marketing and sales involved with engineering and involved in this innovative process really would help um, define the uh, define the mar- market requirements and capture that market opportunity earlier. Because I've uh, I often see technology that's trying to find a market while we have plenty of market opportunities that needs technology to be built.
1: Yeah. Well, I I want to talk more about this. I know we're about out of time for the first half of the interview here, um, but we'll we'll talk more about this on part two. Um, Maybe to end off, we'll ask uh, what's kind of been my favorite question lately, which Uh is if you could go back and give a younger version of yourself some advice, what would that be?
0: Yeah, I give. So you know, I look at younger version of myself every day, right? With again, with my four-year-old son. So I do a lot of, uh, I do a lot of thinking about how, you know, um, do I want to be young again, right? Uh, how would this impact my life and things like that. But at the end of the day, I think um, the older we are, the more we realize that we that there are many things that we don't know. And the advice to younger myself in this particular field. Would be to um, to just to be more open to possibilities um, of things changing, right? I remember um, 20 years ago, right, or maybe 18 or so. Um, I was working for the coolest company on earth, or what I believe was a coolest company on earth at the time was called Napster. And um, I I remember it was almost the day before Christmas. I was in my uh, parking in front of my house and I got a call from a recruiter and they wanted me to go and run operations in a very small company in downtown Palo Alto called Facebook. And I remember I was so arrogant. I lectured that recruiter about the fact that A, I work for the coolest company on earth and B, there's nothing new in social media because my space exists and doing well. <laughs> right? And, you, and, and, I, and I remember I was so convinced. I'm like, oh my God, let me tell you about the world. Right? And and I and I look at this, it's not about the opportunities that I've missed. I actually, I'm, I'm really happy about who, where I am and what I'm doing. But it's just about being open to possibilities, right? Um, I, I just learned the other day that Coca-Cola believe that they, you know, they never will be sold uh, for bottles, right? They believe that it's a fountain drink only, right? So being able, seeing into the future and uh, questioning reality or your perception of reality is an essential skill.
1: I love it. Well, everybody, please uh, tune back into part two. We're going to be asking Alex uh, more of these kind of questions. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you'll remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or four hundred million dollars. Anyways, he uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. Hello, I'm Joe Cordell of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell.
0: Here are a few quick divorce tips that we provide our clients. Number one, don't move out of your house just because your wife tells you to. Remember, that's your house, too. And number two, don't blow through the financial statements that you file with the court. These are key exhibits, and they often make or break your case. And number three, watch the social networking. Expect your wife's lawyer to do a thorough online search. And incidentally, this is a two-way street. Now, a bonus tip. Partner with your attorney in assembling evidence. You're one of the two leading experts on your life and marriage. Your attorney needs your input to achieve your goals. And finally, talk to your attorney before taking action. Good luck. Contact Cordell and Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firm San Francisco area attorneys. A partner men can count on. Online at cordellcordell.com. Offices in San Francisco, San Mateo, and San Jose. Se habla español. Legal services available in English and Spanish. Kimberly Llewellyn, licensed in California.